G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. On a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby. Christopher Brow here is Political Director for South Australia, Tasmania and the Northern Territory. Christopher, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's good to be back. Christopher, before we get into some of the issues and the political agenda for this week, um, I wonder if you've got a thought or two on the coronation on the weekend. Uh, lots of people, lots of listeners will have watched on Saturday night and seen the King and Queen crowned and uh, for so many uh, almost a surprise how deeply a religious ceremony it was. Did you have some thoughts? Yes, I do, Neil. The, the first thought I had was it was a service that glorified God, not King Charles. It the glory was to God as the King of Kings, and King Charles, it was very clear his job was to be a servant of the King of Kings and servant of the people as the Lord Jesus himself came not to be served but to serve. So I thought that was that was very, very helpful. Uh, the second thing was that impressed me was the wonderful reading of uh, Colossians chapter 1 by Rani Sunak, the, the Prime Minister, and the the truth that we have redemption through his blood, the, the truth that he is before all things and in him all things consist, is the image of the invisible God was broadcast around the world. I thought that was wonderful. Um you know, I can't Sorry. help but think uh, that I, you know, I get the impression I've, I've read a report or two uh, coming from secular media, how it almost took the secular world, I suspect here, by surprise that it was such a deeply moving Christian service. And even to the point, and you remember that, that moment when he was presented with a Bible and it was announced as his most precious possession. Sometimes we get these things out of alignment, but um, the Word of God is our most precious possession. Uh, did you have any thoughts around that one? Yes, uh, actually, the words the Archbishop said was, this is the most precious gift we have to give you, or something to that effect. And that's that's the truth, that, that this book, it, God's book, is the most precious gift that anyone can give the King. And it it takes us back to, I think, Deuteronomy 17, where the king had to read in the book every day of his life so his head wouldn't be lifted up above his fellows. So that, that, that was another amazing highlight, I thought. And then I thought the archbishop's sermon, I think he, he really hit it because he talked about servanthood and then he preached the cross. He talked of, of the, the death and rich and... and passion and suffering of Christ and, and his, I think he mentioned his resurrection. So that, again, hundreds of millions of people around the world, the truth of Jesus was preached and the truth of the servant who came not to be served but to serve. 
So it was wonderful. And then that last hymn, um, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. And my son said, isn't a hymn with an organ magnificent? And we have lots of, lots of good music these days, but that just was amazing. You know, interesting you draw attention to uh, the King of Kings uh, and the reference there is of Jesus and how the King, King Charles III, uh, has given his allegiance to the King of Kings. I wonder if you've got a thought or a reflection around the fact, and this might not have been picked up by many unless you were just looking carefully to see the deeper meaning, but the church crowns the king and then gives allegiance to him. Any thoughts there from you, Christopher, on just the significance of what a powerful enactment that is, that the church actually puts the crown on the head of the king? Yeah, I... I was reflecting on that, Neil, because the Anglican Church is often criticized, and it's got huge problems, right, uh, the Anglican Church, but that you've got a secular person as, as the head, uh, the king, or, 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 or a, a, person, uh, a political person as the head of the church. But it's not that. That service shows that the king is crowned by the church as a servant of God. And the church makes it expressly clear to the king that he is subject to the word of God. And then the the bishop um, pledges his allegiance to the king, but because the king is subject to the word of God, any Christian has the right to confront the king. This takes us right back to the difference between um, worldly rulers and godly rulers. So there are two systems in this world. There's the system of rex lex, the law, the lex rex, the law is king, lex is the law. And there's a system of rex rex, the king is king. The worldly systems are rex rex. That's, that's China, that's communism, that's any other system, even a system where we say 51% rules, rex is rex. But here we have the law is king. So Nathan the prophet could go to David the king, and in ancient times this could never happen with any of the other monarchs, and say, you are wrong, king, you sinned. And the king submitted himself to God's word. And that is the great, great power of that service, that the king is saying, I'm subject to the scriptures. That is wonderful. Uh, Rex Rex, if you are the king who is a secular king denying the presence of the king of kings, uh, the God who is above, who actually hands down the law. But uh, Lex Rex uh, brings into context something that actually protects us from tyranny. And all sealed, uh, Christopher, by an anointing with oil. And as Christians, we know the oil is significant, uh, symbolizing the presence of the Holy Spirit and, and, and described as the most solemn moment of the service. Uh, behind a screen, stripped down to those simple garments, anointed on the head and the breast and the hands. And uh, what a, a glorious thing it is to see the king submitted to God. Any thoughts around that anointing? Yeah, so that goes back they said to Second Samuel, when Zadok the priest anoints Solomon, 
Uh, I, I looked it up when I was watching the service, and it's, it's there in Second Samuel, about chapter 2 or 3 or something like that. But I think it was significant, the head, the breast, and the hands. So the head, intellectually, he submits himself to God. The breast, in heart, in passion, submits himself to God. And in hands, in his work, he submits himself to God. So that those three things are, are very important um, in the symbolism. And, of course, Charles is affirmed as defender of the faith, uh, you know, the defender of the faith of the Church of England. Uh, but there was a broadening of the focus and including uh, other faith groups in the mix there. Uh, for some, they might have thought that might be confronting. Did you have a thought or two on, uh, on the fact that there were some other faiths represented there? I think the way I thought about it is this. The service was kept as a biblical Christian service. The other faiths that were there, uh, you had the Muslim and the um, Jewish man present, uh, uh, rabbi present part of the, the symbols to the king. That indicates something that the faith of Jesus doesn't seek to outlaw other faiths. We seek to win people because of the truth. And if you look in the book of Acts, when uh, there was a riot in Ephesus, uh, the, 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 um, the magistrate says to the writer, these people are not destroyers of temples. So Paul went to Ephesus and he preached Jesus. And that one converts because the truth is more powerful than any other false doctrine. But we don't seek to, we don't seek to suppress others. We seek to, 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 to win people because of the power of the truth of Jesus. And then a little bit at the end where the other faiths gave a letter of appreciation. In a Christian country, England's not a Christian country anymore, but the doctrine of of the, the, the truth of God governing a country it means that we accept other people have different beliefs, but we seek to win people to Christ because of the power of the truth. That's different from an Islamic country which seeks to outlaw other faiths. It's different even from the tragic way India is going, India for the Hindus under the BJP. We say we're confident enough of the truth to let you have your worship, but we want to tell you the truth of Jesus. Wonderful insight, Christopher, an appropriate respect, and not something we ought to be concerned about, but something we can, in fact, celebrate because we are not afraid to defend our truth of the gospel. And then, of course, uh, just topped off with a beautiful Holy Communion service and the King and Queen and uh, the Archbishops present there uh, participating in that Communion service. And uh, as I said a little earlier on, it seems to be that in mainstream media, they got taken a little by surprise by that. And uh, almost in reporting of what happened at the coronation service, have been quite defensive and being very secular and trying to explain away some of that wonderful uh, faith aspect of the coronation. Hey, let's move on because uh, there's a few issues that you're dealing with, Christopher. Let's start with South Australia because there's a motion in Parliament to acknowledge two biological sexes. Uh, let's just briefly go through some of these points. Uh, what's happening in SA? Well, 
So the background to two, th- two important things happening in SA, uh, the background to that was that the lower house uh, changed standing orders to get rid of prona- uh, male-female pronouns, gendered pronouns. So the upper house, uh, I think, will reject that. And Sarah Game, the One Nation MP, moved a motion saying that, look, there are two biological sexes, therefore two genders. That's historical fact. That, uh, it's not just historical fact. It is fact, despite all the stuff that's put out. And therefore, we should, re- we should retain gendered language. Now, she's pushing that to a vote on Wednesday of next week. And it'll be interesting to see how many people support her. Uh, the other thing she's, she introduced some time ago was a loss of fetus bill. It follows a New South Wales bill, which was uh, colloquially t- styled Zoe's Law, because Zoe was uh, a little unborn child who was killed when her mother, Brody Donegan, was hit by a drug-affected driver in 2009. She was 32 weeks pregnant. And uh, Brody found that there was no separate offence for losing Zoe. So she fought for years and years and years and years until two years ago, I think. What are we, 2023? Maybe 2021, the bill was passed in the New South Wales Parliament. And so um, Sarah Game has has picked it up to bring it into South Australia's Parliament. It is an unquestionably good bill. It protects the putative human rights of the unborn child and gives dignity to the unborn child and give dig- gives dignity to the mum, because every mum who loses a baby, and you know that, that that's a tragic loss. You know that's a person yeah. that you lost. Yeah. And so um, and we're calling on all the South Australian parliamentarians in the upper house to support that bill. Uh, interesting, in New South Wales, it's known as Zoe's Law, uh, the bill in South Australia, the loss of fetus bill, is it likely, Christopher, and I'm getting your speculation here, that when these sorts of debates come up in all the different states and territories, as they tend to, uh, because it's such an important issue to be able to address, is it likely they'll all become known as uh, Zoe's Law, do you think, in the long run? Uh, they may be. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure what thinking Sarah Game had to call it loss of fetus bill. Uh, I think she wanted to, or it may be that she wanted to give respect to Brody Donegan and not just use the, the name of Zoe uh, for political purposes. So she styled it differently because you don't want to sort of trade off that very sad event. Um, and we've got to give a lot of credit to Brody for how long she fought for the bill in New South Wales. So, but it's the same principle. South Australia, and in some of the media releases that Sarah Games put out, she's highlighted South Australian cases where similar things have happened. So it's, it's an important step to protect and give dignity to the life of the unborn child taken away by a criminal act. Christopher, very quickly on another issue or two, an important petition uh, in New South Wales to call for religious protections. What's this one about? So there are two states, New South Wales and South Australia, which in the the anti-discrimination suite of protections have no protection for discrimination against people on the basis of religious belief or activity. So in New South Wales, you can go into a shop and someone can say, look, uh, you're reading a Bible, get out. 
or your Hindu get out. Uh, but so there's a bill that was introduced in 2020, the anti-discrimination religious freedoms and equality bill, and uh, it would have to be reintroduced obviously in this new parliament. But there's a petition which has to, which is finishing on the 11th of this this month, so it's Thursday, and you can sign the petition by going to acl.org.au and there's a link there, New South Wales Religious Protection. So we're, we want to get 20,000 signatures. It's a parliamentary petition, so it's put up by a New South Wales parliamentarian. So it, and it, you get a link which goes to the New South Wales parliamentary website. To, and it's for New South Wales people. We don't want everybody jumping on from across the country. It's just for New South Wales. But really, really important to get that number up to 20,000. Okay. So go for it, New South so, Wales. So uh, for New South Wales listeners today, uh, go to the ACL website. There will be a link there and you can sign that petition more specific to New South Wales. Hey, uh, just a couple of minutes remaining for our conversation. I just wanted to uh, touch on the fact that the ACL has an appeal that's going right now. I imagine it's a lead up to the end of financial year. Um, there's a big challenge ahead in all of these different dimensions and ACL playing a vital role in uh, lobbying and informing uh, listeners all around Australia, of course, on vision. Uh, but it is uh, a goal that you've got in place. What's your encouragement, Christopher, for listeners to respond to that appeal? Thanks, Neil. And uh, yeah, to everybody, this is our big end of financial year appeal. And obviously, we've been through ups and downs in the last few months. But we really ask you to get on board because there are critical issues happening which... In God's sovereignty, God has put us in a place that we we probably are the best group to speak into. So this loss of fetus bill, we've worked with Sarah Game on this uh, in sort to support her. The ALRC review into uh, into uh, religious education and discrimination. We're working closely with Christian schools and. Um, the different Christian schools groups, the religious discrimination acts coming up, and we're working closely with faith leaders. And there are there's lots of other stuff happening. There's Tasmania, that's the Law Reform Institute uh, recommendations about conversion therapy. We're fighting hard there. We're working hard in South Australia and in uh, Western Australia. There's a lot of good work going on for the sake of the gospel. These things are gospel-centered because the aim of this is to keep the country open for the gospel. That is so critical. And and secondly, to campaign for vulnerable people who the 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 agenda that's coming in so many different ways ends up destroying people. And that's a gospel issue. So we're asking you to support that as much as you can. Well, there's been a couple of solid decades of growth for the Australian Christian lobby, and uh, we'll all be aware, if you follow any sort of news from a Christian perspective, the ACL is right in there in the mix and making a difference. Uh, and those four different areas, defending the human rights of babies, protecting gender-confused children, safeguarding children from pornography, and campaigning for religious freedom in Christian schools. And uh, I'd encourage listeners to continue and uh, and get right behind the latest campaign for 
for support uh, for the Australian Christian Lobby, their end-of-year appeal, uh, end-of-financial-year appeal. Christopher Browyer is the Australian Christian Lobby Political Director for South Australia, Tasmania and the Northern Territory, uh, acl.org.au. Christopher, thank you so much for your update today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.